2: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Euro Incision. My word, it has been a minute since we've hosted one of these. Real football is back. And you know what? You know I'm all about the Champions League football. And joining me on this podcast, a man who's been to more Champions League foot, um, finals than you've had hot dinners, well, certainly me anyway. He doesn't need an introduction. I'm going to give him one anyway. It's Themis Kassaris. Welcome back.
3: <laughs> it's nice to be back. Well, I wouldn't go that far to call uh, Champions League proper football, because we all know the Premier League is, you know, the Broadway way of football. Oh, I,
2: boohoo, boohoo! boo-hoo. No, this, yeah. you, you and I natural, naturally have an infinity with this uh, tournament. You know, I got really interested in football because of Champions League football and, yeah. da, 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 yeah. you know, like, um, certainly sparked my interest in European football. But you know what theme is? Ah, you know what, it's more delightful when the reds are playing and um you know we got to kick things off and um let's talk about it um Inter Milan nil Liverpool Two. Uh, let's start from the beginning. uh Team lineup, a few changes. Klopp talking about rotating, and obviously the squad is looking really healthy now, which is a, a world of a difference to what we saw last season, where it was square pegs in round holes. And you know we've seen some really, really, you know, smart moves by Jurgen Klopp. So talk to me about the lineup. I mean, people like Elliot were in there in the midfield. I thought Kanata getting the hot, the nod instead of Matip was really decent as well. So what did you make of the team lineup?
3: Well. With these options, as you mentioned, uh, finally (laughs) being available to Jürgen, I mean, I would expect some rotation from uh, Mm. his part. And uh, starting Konate was a sensible move. I mean, let's not forget that he started Konate at Old Trafford. We forgot that because we Mm -hmm. trust Man United and nobody cared who who was playing. It was just the scoreline and Mo Salah getting a hat-trick. But... He seems to uh, really uh, put his trust on uh, that guy. And now with, with so many games coming up, I'm feeling that we're going to see much more of him. Starting Elliott, of course, was something I would, I would expect. Because you know what? Elliott has played in every game he has been available this season. Every game. Whether as a starter or coming on uh, from the bench. So that speaks a lot of how uh, Jürgen sees uh, the the youngster. I mean, he was gutted that he was injured. He was so gutted that he spoke about it and said, eh, "I want to talk to Elliot." And he, I was so depressed about his injury that the young kid had to cheer me up instead of me doing that for for him. And uh, he's playing every game he's available as a starter or, or as, as coming on from the from the bench. And yeah, that that was it. I mean, I was expecting um, Thiago to start as well in order to control the game. Yeah. So that's about it. But it's amazing to see Liverpool Twitter talking about the bench. I mean, if uh, fans from other teams would uh, join and follow that timeline, would go nuts. I mean, what? Why are these fans talk that much about the bench? Well, it's because we have been. Uh, successful over the past three seasons with not much to rely on. And now for, it, now for a change, we have a team that gives us the the opportunity to say, let's put that guy in, let's put that guy in, not, let's start that guy. Whereas we have to knock Barcelona out with Shakiri Origi mm. and stuff like that with only Gini Vinaldo coming on, coming on as a super sub. So those days are gone now, hopefully. And uh, we'll have a stronger squad, for sure. Maybe the strongest ever, but I don't know. Yeah.
2: You know what? I'm sure you've got access to my notes because I literally was going to go to a strong bench and, you know, that got me really excited. I remember our last chat theme is when we were kind of um, reacting to the Champions League draw yeah. and I was like oh who do you fancy his favourites because you know last time I don't know in some weird kind of coincidental way you kind of got Chelsea you, and so yeah. I was like trying to pick your brain and you're like well you can't say anything right now you can't predict anything and me before the transfer window kind of opened I was like well Liverpool not going to do anything and then they buy a player like Diaz the bench looks really strong loads of players coming back it's yeah. you know I'm glad you kind of mentioned that so you know what let's talk about this game and uh, of course, you know Inter Milan like us. Second in their domestic league. Um, I thought, I mean, let's talk about this. But I thought the Reds started off pretty strong. We looked pretty composed. We looked pretty much in our element. I thought, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. But I thought we we kind of came in and we did kind of absorb the pressure, which was something that we were doing last season. But this, we kind of went out and we were kind of playing our own little way. Um, to me, I was very confident watching us play. In the in yeah. the first few minutes of the game, I'd say about ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, I thought you know like yeah, you just came exactly. out. Exactly.
3: Yeah, that's that's the timeline. I mean, the first uh, the opening uh, fifteen minutes were very encouraging of showing us showing us expecting a game that Liverpool will take the game to them, and we started very strong as you said. Maybe a few bad touches in the in the penalty box, but we were giving us giving the feeling to the, the fans that we're going to take control of the game and slowly that faded away and it was an even 30 minutes until uh, halftime i mean i have to keep to give credit uh, to them because i thought they played an excellent game because of the way they tried with courage to build up from the back and mm. by, bypass our press with courage i repeat and then uh, go uh, and attack our uh, midfield and our uh, defensive uh, def- defensive four and uh, it was I was impressed to be honest because when the draw uh, came and uh, we knew that we were going to play inter but we didn't know at first because we have two draws <laughs> let's mm-hmm. not forget that well I said to you and you asked you asked me about my feelings and stuff, and I said to you, I don't know how the team's gonna be. As you said, we've got Diaz, and the, the injured players are back, and we're feeling stronger. But what I mentioned is, I'm not feeling that a team from Italy is gonna be trouble because they are too slow and uh, they are not playing the football. They're not. They're not playing football the way it's supposed to be played nowadays. And you know what? I give credit to to Simone and Jackie and their team because. They tried to play in the proper way. They were very good at it. I have to give them credit for that. Not as good as some rival fans are saying on Twitter, <laughs> because I've been, yeah. I've been reading. I've been reading some horrible takes about that game that the Klopp was outthought and the Liverpool were found out. Well, if
2: Klopp was outthought and Liverpool were found out, they still go into the second leg with a two-goal cushion. <laughs> so yeah, you but- know what? I'll take that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but but besides that, well, sometimes you can take that win, and uh, it 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 can be an outcome, a lucky outcome, or something like that. That wasn't that wasn't the case. I mean, it's one thing to say that fair play to Inter Milan because they played the proper way and they did it in the best way possible, and they gave Liverpool fifty minutes of trouble in the opening uh, fifth quarter of the second half. It's one thing to say that and acknowledge that. It's, an, it's another thing to say that we were at thought, and Jurgen was uh, out thought, and Liverpool were found out. I mean, where, where is all coming from? I mean, okay, it's one thing to give them credit, and it's another thing to go and say that I watched that game, and my main conclusion is that Liverpool were in trouble. No, we weren't. It's just that they grew into the game, and then they hum- had their moments in the opening quarter of the second half. That's the story. They grew Absolutely. in the game. They, yeah, they absorbed the pressure. They weren't thrust like some some people thought when they, they when they saw the first ten minutes. Nothing like that happened. Yes, of course. Mm. They they grew into the game. They got their confidence back. They got Liverpool a little bit off the pedal, if you will. And then they had 15 minutes that they were really great. And that's that. That's the story for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, they outthought flop and whatever zero shots on target but anyway we'll we'll get into all that in a minute I mean for me um to me it just overall like in the first half I thought we were very mature I thought you know we we looked really good for the first 20 minutes I felt like as the game went on I'm talking about the first half now Themis I thought as the game went on in the first half they started to look a bit more settled in their rhythm and their their groove I think the only time that they absolutely maybe frightened me a little was um Again, one of probably one of their star players, um, um, Hakansonoglu, who you know rattled the crossbar. That like, I woke up a little, but at no point did they really, really give me give me massive, massive concern. I mean, he was a standout for them. I thought Perisic throughout the whole game was um, pretty decent. You know, um, probably their best player. caused, you know, Trent all kinds of problems in the second half in the uh, in the passage of play that you know that the time of play that you're talking about in the first. 15, 20 minutes of the second half. But as a whole, I thought in the first half, certainly we were so mature. And I thought for me, the guys that were bossing it were the two centre-back parents who kept their, um you know, um, Martinez, Arturo Martinez, and um, Edin Dzeko absolutely quiet. And Fabinho, yeah. for me, was just everywhere.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you talk about the centre-backs, OK, Dzeko is a veteran now. So
0: mm.
3: from my point of view, I was not scared of him through the open play. I knew he couldn't do much. Maybe he would be a threat through set pieces. Yeah. From a header. And Chinoglu
2: is very, very good at set pieces. So, you know, you see a link.
3: He's he's a great set piece uh, taker. But for me, the standout moment of the first half is when Lautaro Martinez was one-on-one with Virgil van Dijk and he didn't even bother to try to counter-attack. That's for me. (laughs) That, for me, is amazing. It's amazing because it speaks volume for Virgil, of course. But on the Mm. other hand, that seems to be the the gap between Liverpool and the other teams. I mean, this guy, Lautaro Martinez, is so highly rated as a superstar. He's supposed to be worth close to 80, 100 million euros or something like that. He's the star of the Argentina team. And all that, the new uh, uh, star from Argentina. And you're watching that guy and you say, really? That guy? That guy, he cannot dribble. He cannot carry the ball. He's an average at best goal scorer. And you're raving about that guy. So that's the problem with Italian football. Mediocre players getting fame and fortune. Well, whereas at at best they're average. I'm not saying that all their players are average. But I'm saying that Lautaro Martinez would never get in the Liverpool squad. And he's a, he's their star player. They won the league with him and Lukaku. They won the league. And mm. Lukaku gets back to the Premier League. And he's doing almost absolutely nothing for Chelsea. <laughs> okay. And Lautaro Martinez is, con- is considered to be a star. And you know what? I'm not going to uh, slash him and uh, say bad things about him if he misses... A, a great opportunity and stuff like that because that can happen to anybody even more but you watch that game was that any part of the game that showed you that this guy has skill this guy is you know to be feared of this should be an interesting signing for any Premier League side no he, he saw Virgin Van Dijk in front of him and he didn't even bother to try to do something let try like Adam Atraore has tried like Mbappé has tried and failed because Holland uh, has tried versus Virgil and failed because he's a great defender. There's no shame in failing to get past Virgil van Dijk because mm. he's the best. But he didn't even try. He didn't even try. But to be fair to them, they were missing Barella through the yeah. midfield, which is uh, their best midfielder. I had to say that. I did say that when we did the pod yes, did. after the draw, that there's going to be a huge miss for them to miss their best midfield because they had to play Arturo Vidal. And that guy is, I mean, come on. That guy is, uh, I cannot stand watching him, a game with him on the pitch because his only contrib- contribution to the game is to foul or to be fouled. How
2: did he who, not get booked in that game? That is the biggest miracle of everything.
3: Because he because <laughs> a great, a great referee, a great referee who wanted to get the game out with no yellow card. He was near every, everything that happened ha, ha, that was happening on the pitch. He was a few meters away with a clear view of of anything that was going on. And uh, you know what? After that it was uh, evident that Arturo Vidal had no sense or purpose in the game because his only uh, main his main focus was to get one of our players booked and to avoid himself being booked, and then w- once he found out that he found out that this referee would not get anybody cautioned, he had no purpose in the game because it was either foul or be fouled, which I hate in a player. I hate that that your only purpose is to foul or to be fouled.
0: Mm. Okay, maybe
3: you should try to win the ball <laughs> with no foul, <laughs> or maybe you should t- try to get past the player without getting fouled. But He's past it, and uh, it was a shame that they, for them, that they had to play with him instead of uh, Barella. But okay, what can you do?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I agree with you. I think he's just naturally one of those dirty players, um, you know. And you know, th- th- there's there's players like you know, I thought you know, Luis Suarez was a bit of a dirty player, but he's one of them that you hated if he was your opposition, but you loved him if he yes. was your own. I think yes. this guy would frustrate the frustrate everything out of me if he was one of our players. Yes, I think,
3: exactly. Exactly. You know, yes. like
2: I would get so annoyed seeing him on the pitch, you know? Um but yeah, um he, he yeah, he he looked off the mark. I think his only probably some kind of contribution if you want to say was maybe the pastige echo which was three years offside I hate that I hate that rule by the way where they wait it just frustrates me I'm like somebody can get injured it's just such a bogus rule but yeah there it is I yeah um I thought um uh, he didn't really offer much and I thought Fabinho just completely controlled it I mean for me the first half I was I was quite happy with it I think the only my only concern was was the fact that you know you know we looked you know, in control for most parts. and I thought the attack looked a little blunt. I think Sadio Mane probably had the best chance of the half. But, you know, yeah, for me, you do. know, yeah. I th- I'd say that probably summarises the first half really well, Thiemais. I mean, you have kind of spoke about the second half and you have kind of touched on it. I mean, Firmino comes on for Jota as we discovered he picked up a little injury. Hopefully it's not too serious because, my word, we need Jota, you know. Yeah. He's one of those guys that can have a sneaky game and can pop up with a goal. So I was a bit baffled as to why that sub happened there and then. But obviously, Klopp, you know, um, sharing some facts there. And um, of course, Bobby Firmino comes on, and you know, it was a bit of dominance by um, by Inter Milan, you know tails up um you know were kind of really using their their wing wing um their wing backs really really well they were just sort of spraying passes and um, Dumfries and I think Perisic was having quite a lot of joy against Trent Alexander-Arnold on our right I felt like you know the defensive cover maybe you know like a Harvey Elliott I mean I thought he actually had a decent game. I won't say it was a bad game. I won't say it was a good game. He's, you know, a young lad. I think he's the youngest ever Liverpool player to make a start in Europe. Um, he takes yeah. that title now. You know, um, he'll learn a lot from that. He was playing against the champions at the San Siro. I mean, it's going to be huge for him. But, you know, I I thought, I, a lot of people like, sub him off, sub him off. But I thought he did pretty OK. I mean, like, he... Like he said, Klopp believes in him and I love the fact that Klopp is at that that stage now where when he came from Dortmund we thought he was gonna like just bring a load of kids like he did with Dortmund. But I like the fact that, you know, he has spent a bit of money and he is kind of believing in some of the kids that he believes in and he's got the perfect balance there. But I thought Elliot did okay as a whole and obviously you saw Klopp react and this is something that we maybe always talk about Jürgen Klopp with his subs and, you know, he went full out when that was happening. He made a triple sub. He meant business.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, as far as uh, Elliot com- is concerned, I'm, I'm totally uh, going to agree with you. He he was OK. I mean, I mean uh, maybe some of his defensive coverage was a, a little, uh, few metres uh, way off. And I saw Virgil shouting, and, shouting at him at some point when they won a corner and Virgil was looked straight at Harvey and uh, let him know that he wasn't happy <laughs> with uh, what he saw. The only thing that you know, I was a little bit uh, let down as I was watching the game uh, from uh, Harvey Elliott was that moment in the first half where he was alone in, in their own penalty box and he didn't try to do anything by himself where he passed it to Mo and uh, Mo t- 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 took the shot but it wasn't a good one because it was on his uh, right foot instead of uh, his left foot, and uh, I said to myself, you know, do it yourself, kid. <laughs> don't pass it to Mo because you know what? In the next game that happens, or maybe in the third leg, I don't know. But in the next big game that happens, you, you, I want you to have the confidence to take the the shot your, by yourself because I, we all know the skill that he has. But uh, at this early stage of his, you know, it's a big thing, as you said, being the youngest ever to start a European game for Liverpool. Mm. I understand that if you're a youngster and you're starting that game, you you have that thing in, in your head that I don't, want to, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to make a mistake, I'm just going to be decent and not trying anything, you know, spectacular. But you have to get into a different mindset as the games move uh, on, you have to try and be spectacular, because you are spectacular. Otherwise, Jurgen Klopp will never start you, (laughs) where he has all those options. Maybe it's not he's not playing out of a necessity. He's playing because... So you have to have that trust and belief. But that the same thing happened with Trent. I mean, uh, Trent always had the technique, but in his first, few months, he was just trying to do his job and not trying uh, the spectacular sp- uh, pass or cross or stuff like that. That comes with uh, playing time. So that's what I'm, I'm expecting to see from uh, Harvey uh, until the, the end of the season for uh, for sure. But, as you said, Bobby came in. I thought, yeah, we found out about Zota, Zota's uncle after the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we, we're we not supposed to have two weeks with everybody healthy, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is a deal, a curse. I don't know. How about that? Yeah, I mean, we all celebrated that everybody is healthy and available. And then, okay, Jota had a knock in his ankle and it was all swollen, and we have to wait and see. Okay, either way, I thought he had a bad health because his first touch. He was way off. I was so happy to see Sadio getting his first touch back <laughs> in that game. I mean, he has a new level of confidence coming back as a winner from the AFCON. Uh, that's what I'm feeling. Uh, either way, I don't know. We have to wait and see. But I thought Zota was, was way off with his first touch and was ruining a lot of build-up play for us. Mm. And uh, I thought we would improve with Bobby coming in, but uh, we were sloppy. and yeah. uh, We were sloppy, and even Thiago was sloppy. I mean, come on, you're supposed to be the guy to con- who controls everything. <laughs> and even he was sloppy. I don't know. And uh, those 15 minutes were that bad that uh, forced Jürgen's hand, and he said, okay, uh, no, I'm not going to spend time Questioning uh, what should be, what my next uh, substitute should be, maybe in midfield, maybe in in the attack, maybe Sadio will come out and uh, we're gonna play Diaz. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw them all three uh, at once because that shows for me how uh, unhappy he was with what was going on.
2: I mean, with the subs um, theme, is like they all kind of made sense. You know, we saw Diaz, and, you know, naturally you're excited because he just looks like a Liverpool player right away. And you you know, instantly, right, okay, well, Sadio's coming off. Um, you know, you kind of look at Javier, you think maybe he's going to put a bit of maturity and a bit of experience. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Nabi K to make sense. I think the only one that initially baffled me in hindsight, is, you know, is, is a wonderful thing. I thought Fabinho had a great first half. I was like, what? You know, I did scratch my head a little at like that one. I'm not going to lie when it initially happened. But Jurgen Klopp clearly trying to mix things up. Has, you know, quality on the bench. Wants to bring it on. Doesn't want to wean in one. So brings in all three together. You know, my word. I mean, that's ballsy by Jurgen Klopp.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with your uh, thoughts on the on the series substitutes. Totally agree. I mean, I thought Mane was not ready yet to play the full 90 minutes, so why not bring uh, Diaz in? As you said, he already looks like a really good player. Okay, Harvey Elliott, the obvious obvious choice to bring somebody in to settle the game, to help uh, Thiago uh, control the game like uh, Naby was trying to do. But, as you said, Fabinho, I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Exactly, your your thoughts are exactly the same with uh, mine during the game, but I, I, After the game, I thought, well, Jürgen was go so frustrated that he wanted to send a message to the team that this is not accept- acceptable. You, you're you losing control of the game in a way that it's not supposed to be happening more than five minutes. And it's happening for the entire minutes that we have played already in the second half. So this is not accept- acceptable and I'm changing everything. So. Yeah. Two new midfielders, Jordan and Nabi, along with Thiago, and two new faces up front with Diaz and Firmino because I've had enough with what, what I'm seeing. And we're playing Champions League knockout stage and this is not good enough. And this, he sent the whole message to the whole team. And yeah. I think every, every, everybody played a part from now on for Liverpool to, to cruise their way because that's what we did.
2: Yeah, I mean those subs really, really did change up the game. I felt like there was more potency in the attack. I mean Diaz just coming on just naturally just freshing things up on the left. I mean one thing I love about him is his pace, and I thought what he kind of bought was this. I thought um, what he brought was this natural ability kind of to draw defenders near him, and you know again he was the first one to kind of get in behind the defense. You know with his yeah. with his chance. Um, I think it was was it Trent that put the ball to him? Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. And I was yes, like,
2: exactly. whoa, you know, and that's just a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of diversity in terms of what he, he can do. And I was I was really impressed with him. He looks so lively on that left-hand side and, you know, again, injected some kind of urgency and, you know, and I just, I adore him and I want to see more and more of him because he just looks like such a confident player. And, you know, even... Even trying to take the shot, he, he took he took a long range shot and he obviously he, he was off target. But you know, just there's just a bit more to him on that left. Like you said, Sadio Mane still isn't quite there yet.
3: Yeah, well, if you look at the the contribution of the four players that came in in the second half, mm. in, in terms of the timeline that they con they actually contributed to Liverpool, not the timeline of when they came in the game, but uh, when they actually contributed to the way we turned the game around and cruised our way to the final whistle. Well, Diaz is the first one. Mm. Diaz is the the first. I I totally agree with you. He was the first one to put his name on the list to actually make things better for us because Sadio was tired, I think, at some point and was... uh, was actually out of the game in those uh, 15 minutes. And Diaz immediately got the ball to his feet and went straight to playing uh, the one-on-one. Uh, and uh, he played uh, Robbie, uh, sorry Andy in the penalty box right before that uh, play you you mentioned. Uh, unfortunately, Robertson took the, the wrong choice there and tried a back heel instead of... Uh, uh, squaring the ball to Mo and uh, Bobby. But that shot you mentioned when he was played in uh, by Trent, the interesting thing about that is that we weren't playing from the right uh, hand side. It wasn't the ball in Trent's uh, foot. So you have to expect, you know, Diaz coming in to make a move. No, actually, we played from the li- left hand side. And he took the ball, and he carried the ball all those meters to the central uh, part of the pitch. He was the one to give it to give it to Trent, and he continued his run.
2: Yep, yep.
3: So I was impressed by that because the I movement,
2: he, the constant movement yeah, all the time.
3: Yeah, the movement, but in, in order in, uh, in continuum with your initial move, not the movement that like. The, the player from the other hand side would do when he knows Trent has the ball. So, okay, I'm going to come a little closer and try to make a move without the ball and maybe Trent can spot it and find me with a cross or a through ball or whatever. No, he was the one to carry the ball all those meters from the left-hand side to the center of the pitch and then continue his runs and, and actually show Trent where he wanted to go. So, Trent uh, managed to get a through ball in. Unfortunately, the shot was blocked. But those two or three movements by Diaz uh, scared Interland. They mm-hmm. were afraid of him. So, they had to battle a little bit. So, that was the main, the first point made by Liverpool. That You know what? Enough is enough. <laughs> From now on, you're going to be scared. We're not going to be scared of your counter-attacks, as we did in the previous 15 minutes. You're gonna be scared from now on. You're gonna have to backpedal. You're gonna have to uh, get a little bit closer to your goal, and we're gonna control things from uh, now on. Then Jordan came in. Then Nabi came in, and of course, Bobby, who was the first <laughs> to come in, had the, the first punch with that uh, with that header.
2: Ah, oh, you know what? He I'm gonna call it the no look header. My word! <laughs> you know uh, the you know. The corner, you know, the corner from Robin. the way he just, it, to me, when I watched it live, it was in slow motion. It was beautiful. Yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing how much we agree today because that was my thought exactly. I mean, the goal was going in, but it was like a replay or something like mm. that. I mean, uh, I didn't even celebrate it that much because I was in awe of what I, what I was seeing. I mean, I said, that, that's sweet, that's sweet. It, it, it reminds me of the, the famous uh, header from uh, Sadio uh, back in the title-winning season. Maybe the most important goal of that season, uh, from my point of view. Anyway, that uh, 90... What is it? 90, 90, 95th minute? Something like that. Away at Aston Villa from the Robertson corner. That mm. Sadio, an amazing, the most difficult head, header I've ever seen in my life. I mean... Sadio scoring that with the, the foot of the opponent right in his face uh, at the death to win that game for, 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 for Liverpool one week before we played City, right? It was one week, one yeah, week I think before so. we played City.
2: You've got better game. memory than me. Yeah.
3: yeah, because I was so nervous bef- before that game because I knew we were going to play City next and I knew that the, diff- the point difference would make a huge impact on the psychology and the tactics of the game when we had to play City. It's a different thing to play them when you're six points Mm -hmm. in front of them and they're thinking, "Oh, maybe a draw is, is is a good result. Maybe we have to win there and stuff like that. It's a different thing to play City six points ahead of them than nine points ahead of them. And we were losing the game and then Robertson got that header and then... Uh, he, was, he took the corner that Sadio uh, put away with an amazing header. And that, Bobby, no-look header, as you said, reminded, reminded me of that uh, header of uh, Sadio. Well, we are the best team in Europe right now in terms of corner corners. I don't know if you know that.
2: I did but, not know that, but uh, thank you.
3: Yeah, we actually score a goal every 12 and a half corners in the Premier League alone mm. this season, which is the best uh, corner per goal rate in the top five uh, leagues uh, right now. So we are getting very, very, <laughs> pretty good at it. So actually, I made, a, I made a piece about that coloration to Olympiacos who, who are doing amazing from corners this year uh, with their non-sustainable uh, record. They're scoring one goal every 11 corners right now, which is <laughs> out of this world. So, I did that yesterday, before the game. And uh, when we scored from uh, that corner, I smiled and said, yeah, you know what? I knew that because we are the best uh, at corners in the, whole, in the top five uh, big tournaments right now. So, I was very pleased with uh, Bobby doing that no-look header, as you said.
2: I almost want to good- re- React, reenact that advert they did for I think it was coconut water when from um uh from Mina goes knowledge and I'm doing it to you right now because literally you your matip and your fun facts that is brilliant um and you know what you can plug that piece at the end of the show there you go people will want to will be intrigued by that I mean um and then we've got to talk about the second goal I mean. Mo Salah I thought relatively kind of had a quietish game by his yeah. ridiculous standards but my word I mean could not have come at a better time to just completely take the sting out of the game I mean Trent cross to uh, Virgil van Dijk and you know what Kanate with his little nimble feet in both boxes just you know pulls himself back and you know Salah just like drives it low and again to me that felt very slow motion as well I don't know if it was Italian football and it's that like slow motion but I was just like <laughs> whoa you know
3: <laughs> yeah well, it wasn't smash and grab like in the Premier League I completely no. understand what you're saying well fair play to Konate yeah
2: time. I mean the way he just kind of like just leaves it for him yeah. you know and he's a for big having, guy you know
3: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly I mean for having the awareness and yeah. the I, I don't know if Mo talked to him maybe he I did a
2: scream, a scream like get out yeah. of me or something I don't know yeah.
3: but he was excellent in doing that and it was uh, a fair play to Mo for immediately hugging him acknowledging uh, his contribution that you did it in the best way possible, man. Yes. I mean, you got you got out of the way like <laughs> I told you to. And uh, thank you for that because I hit it in the in the, in the best way possible and uh, it worked in. And, I mean, fair play to Konate, fair play to Mo for congratulating uh, him immediately. Mm. And, I mean, what a guy Virgin van Dijk is. I mean, yeah. hugging his teammate yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the Netherlands national team in in front of him for one split second I mean not making a meal out of it I mean not making a big story but for one split second before he got to his teammates to celebrate their second goal he found the time and the the character and the mood to give his his teammate in the national team a little hug from behind and saying I mean okay I, I understand your frustration but okay don't sweat on I mean, him. I mean, okay. Bad luck. What can I say? I won the header. He struck it really well. It went in. You're losing 2 nil What can you do? Life goes on. I mean, keep your head up. <laughs> in one split second, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would like to spend an evening with Virgil van Dijk for sure. I mean, he's maybe number two in my list. I mean, Jürgen, of course, is number one.
1: Yeah. But
3: yeah, number two in my list is uh, Virgil van Dijk. I find his overall character and the, the way he performs on the pitch the way he acts the way he talks the way he screams at his players but at his Even TV's his back. little
2: celebration with Roberto Firmino yes. where they kind of did that kind of chest thing yeah, and hugged yeah, and yeah, then he's yeah, got yeah. like a special celebration with Marcela. he's just a natural yes. leader and just seeing yes. him you know lead the team out he yes. just he, he's just a colossus of a man
3: Yes, he is. And uh, I'm so glad that even when he screams, he's not doing it doing it in any way that resembles the way Jamie Garaker used to do it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because you know what? He was a leader too, but he did it in a way that showed frustration and panic and yeah, a will to win. I'm not doubting that Jamie did all those things. because he wanted us to win so badly, Mm -hmm. but he was doing it in a way that it wasn't calm, it wasn't assuring, and he made, even the crowd were nervous when Jamie did that, because it showed uh, it was a sign of panic, it was a sign of of frustration, it was a sign of nerves kicking in, whereas Mm -hmm. when he does that, and he does it a lot, waving his arms, he has he has another way of doing that. Yeah, it's, it's almost of...
2: like he's saying, I expect better from you. It's kind of yeah. like motivational rather than tearing yeah. down. I, I get what you're trying to say there. You know, not red in the face. He's just saying, come on, man, you're better than this. It's that, that kind of vibe rather than what the f- bloody, you know, like, yeah, if you know what exactly. I mean, there's a way of, yeah. I, I that's, see- what,
3: that's what I said to my wife, actually, when he gave that bollocking to Harvey Elliott. And at the end, he told him to fuck off. And I, I can see that he told you to fuck off. But then he said, come on. That's, that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. The way you you choose to end your sentence. Instead of editing with the, with with the F word, he ended it with, come on. That's a huge difference from an 18, 18-year-old 18 like Harvey who is starting his first European game for Liverpool in a, away from home. And he gets it from the captain, because Virgil was the captain, right? And mm. he gets it really hard in front of everybody. But at the end of it, there is, come on, you can do better than that. Yeah. And that's that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you expect nothing less from Virgil van Dijk. I mean, theme is for me, I mean, we, we are quite deep in this part. But for me, you know, um, even in that first half, I think the only time we had a little bit of a scare was, um, of course, um, you know, Latour Martinez um, just whiskers away from that header you know I don't think they really posed many threats on us per yeah. se and then that offside goal that we kind of spoke about uh, there wasn't an awful lot going on I felt like our defence handled things really really well I mean for me I mean when I look back at this and I look at this result I just see Liverpool who didn't really play amazing like we're used to just kind of were professional in the sense that they didn't give their best. Got two goals. Were professional. Absorbed the pressure. Didn't panic. Didn't get rattled against maybe an inter side that maybe gave it some, you know, gave it some against us, and we handled it really well.
3: Yeah, I mean, overall, it wasn't like we played AC Milan, which was mm. a game that didn't matter for us. It mattered a lot of, uh, to them. They had to look, a lot to play in that game. We played our second or maybe third choices in that game. And we won either way because they are dreadful. <laughs> okay. It was a different game. They gave their best even without the, the star uh, midfielder. At that, I thought that they were excellent in the way they bypassed our press, our high press. Excellent. They did it with courage, but also with knowledge of how to do it in order to get out of it. They did it in the best way possible. Maybe they they would have gotten a little bit more out of the game if it wasn't for Virgil and uh, Konate, which I thought they were amazing. Yeah. Amazing in the way they handled themselves, especially in those opening uh, 15 minutes of the second half, especially in that part. Yeah. After that, as you said, really professional, really composed. Do not panic about anything. Maybe, maybe other teams and other managers would say, you know what, this is dreadful. We are not playing like ourselves in the, uh, the first 15 minutes of the second half. So let's try and fix that and avoid defeat because this is, this is not our night and we're not playing as usual. What, On the other hand, what we did is fix the problem and then win the game, easily. That's a different mentality, mm-hmm. uh, away from home. Do, do not try and save the game because you're scared of what you're watching. Try to fix it first, and then, because you are the better team, go on and win it, and don't care about if we're playing away from home, if you're playing at home. Fix the problem, and then go on and uh, win it. And that's exactly what we did.
2: Absolutely, and I cannot wait for the second leg. It's going to be really intriguing to see what changes Jurgen Klopp makes and how he approaches it as well, you know. Um, it's just a really, really healthy position to be in. Demis, I think we pretty much talk, spoke a lot about Liverpool there. Shall we move on to the next one?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Or oh, is there anything you want to say on this one?
3: No, about about our game, no. If you want to talk about the PSG-Real Madrid game... Let's I... go there. Yeah.
2: I mean, for me, I mean, uh, if you live under a rock, which you don't, (laughs) because you listen to this part, uh, PSG versus Madrid, I mean, I like these ties, to me it's the bride, meaning um, Real Madrid, who who are the most successful team in Europe, versus the crazy cat lady, which is Paris Saint-Germain, who are just eager to win this trophy, never quite done it, I mean, it was... (laughs) I watched this game, um, and... I want to get your thoughts on this because I just had a few takeaways from it. I thought, you know, Real Madrid was just so, so defensive, uh, played right into PSG's hands. I mean, I thought Kylian Mbappe was probably the star of PSG, in my opinion, was just absolutely brilliant. And... I want to get your thoughts on, on just the whole game as as a whole because I've just got a few bullet points. Messi, I thought, was a bit meh, you know, in a Champions League game. Yeah. Missed the penalty. That could have been the highlight. That could have been the talking point. But Kylian Mbappe had other ideas. And, of course, stole it last minute. You know, a heart heartache. But this tie's still pretty much alive. I mean, I want to get your thoughts.
3: Well, my, you know, my main title, my main title about the game, maybe if I have to have, you know, only one sentence, is that the game did not belong in 2022. I mean, it looked like, to me, it looked like a game from the the middle of the of the zeros. Too slow, mm-hmm. too, neg- too negative.
2: First half you know? was really, really uninspiring as well, I thought.
3: Yeah, no press. I mean, one team with the ball, but very slow in advancing with the ball uh, up, upwards. And the other team... Defending, but not threatening, threatening at all with uh, counterattacks or transitions or stuff like that. Too slow, too slow from both teams, and you know it was like it was like a reunion of you know husbands. I mean, okay, maybe it's a, it's a tough word to use, but well, you look at Real Madrid and they have cross and Modric. Mm-hmm. We all know that the the best years are behind Gone. them. Gone, yeah, Messi.
2: they have, yes.
3: Yeah, they're behind them. If you look at and, Messi, it, and
2: and it really, really shows in central mid as well, you know, yeah. because that's where you need your legs.
3: Yeah, exactly. And they are great footballers. The one got his national team in the World Cup final, the other won the World Cup with his national team. They won the Champions League so many times. But there has been. And Messi I, I I watch him play and I still know that he has the ability to do something amazing. But on the other hand, I watch him play and I know that this possibility is lower than ever. The possibility of him doing something in the next minute that is absolutely amazing is lower than ever in his career. He still can play that ball in the first half uh, from the, the through ball to Kylian Mbappé who... Uh, got a shot straight at Courtois in the first half and he still can do that run with the ball that got uh, neymar in the penalty box in the second half he can st- still do amazing things but not in the so much often <laughs> it's not really the same in the same way possible that he's going to do something amazing in the first in the next minute of the game because that's the feeling i got Every time I watched him play for the past 15 years, but maybe he can do something amazing in the next minute, and that's why I'm keep watching the game, and I'm not turning it off, and I'm, I, I will always find a way to watch Messi play because he always gave, gave me the feeling that he can do something absolutely amazing. Yeah, right now, right now, right in the next minute, right in the next passage of play, he can do something amazing. Mm. I, I can still feel he can do it. But I know that the possibility is lower than ever. And then you have, who is the, the, the new big star? Okay, Real Madrid have Vinicius, who has a breakthrough season for them. But he was outplayed by, by the tactical trick of Mauricio Pochettino. What he did, I find it, I find that maybe the most, the most interesting part of the game tactically it was, it was the way Pochettino used Danilo. We played in midfield, but when PSG had the ball, he tracked back and he was the right centre-back. And they played with three at the back and they had Hakimi uh, as a, the right winger. So, it yeah. effectively, that effectively took Vinicius out of the game and Benzema was coming back from a, an injury and he wasn't anywhere near his normal level of play. Mm. So, we have a team you have a team playing 90 minutes behind the ball and yep. with no way of counter attacking so it's up to the home team to light the way the, the game up but they were too slow in order to do that so what you have left a star goalkeeper donnarumma of course who won the euro euros for uh, italy but <laughs> nobody watches the game to watch the goalkeeper i mean come on So, who's left? Only Kylian Mbappé. That's the guy left. In order to light the game up and in order for us to actually watch something that belongs in 2022, that belongs in the future of football. None of all these things belong in the way football is 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 being played right now. None. The midfield, the transition, the press, too slow, too negative. Too meh, too boring. I don't know. But Kylian Mbappé is the future. And uh, finally, in the final minute of the game, he won the penalty, of course, Mm -hmm. for that. Let's not forget that. That was
2: a great battle between him and Cabajal as well.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I enjoyed that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, at the last minute of the game, he decided to to take it uh, in his hands. And uh, he scored an amazing goal. And what's more interesting than the final result uh, and what will happen in Madrid, of course, what's more interesting is the reports of coming out uh, after the game. I don't know if they're true or not, but uh, we have many respectable journalists reporting that that game changed his mind. (laughs) He's like, I'm not
2: playing with this rubbish. I don't know.
3: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's playing hardball. Maybe he's trying to get the biggest contract in the history of uh, football. Maybe he's trying to make... Yeah, maybe he's trying to make Real Madrid pay even more. I mean, that guy, he's got both things in his pocket. He can do whatever he wants. And he can blackmail them in any possible way. Both PSG, who are desperate to make him stay... And both Real Madrid, who thought that is already their player in, in just a matter of time, because uh, before he joins them in uh, June, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, it's amazing the way he has handled himself and the contract, of course. And uh, he can do whatever he likes, Wh- whatever he likes, actually. And uh, these reports, I don't know if they're reliable, valuable or completely made up. But uh, it's funny to watch that. It's funny to see Real Madrid panicking because they're feeling and they're reading in the press that Mbappe has second thoughts now and uh, he was so disgusted in the way they (laughs) played that he feels that why should I join you? Because I beat you and you did nothing in that game. So maybe I'm having second thoughts. And now they're reporting that in order for Real Madrid to uh, convince him to re-change his mind and actually join them in, uh, in the summer, they're going to try and sign Pochettino as well from uh, uh, PSG in order for them to you know, showcase to Mbappe that, you know what, don't worry about it because we're going to be better next season and we're going to suck Ancelotti and we're going to have uh, your manager. Real Madrid as well. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's, it may be, become funnier if Pochettino uh, does not join uh, Manchester United because of that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be even funnier for them because they missed out on Conte because they won. I mean, Manchester United, I mean, I mean I'm so sorry. I'm, maybe I'm disrespectful. You're not, you're not. (laughs) I cannot help but laugh with what's going on. Because they had the opportunity to sign Conte and they didn't because they won 3-0 versus Tottenham. And then Tottenham got Conte. (laughs) And now they have to sign the manager and they're thinking of getting Pochettino back to the Premier League, which from my point of view would be a great move from their part. Yeah. And now I'm reading that maybe Pochettino will go to Real Madrid. <laughs> and I don't know. Who or Maria United are the United going to get? I mean, who's left? Yeah. Who are they going to get? <laughs> Yeah, anyway. is,
2: We love football chaos when it doesn't involve our club. Uh, we, we we take great joy in it, don't we, Fiamish? I think, uh, yes. you know, yeah, we've, we've had a lot of pain and, and suffering in the past. Yes,
3: exactly. And we're the ones to acknowledge and immediately, immediately understand if yeah. a team is in chaos because we have been through that. Absolutely. So many years, so many years, and we can tell what's going on and we can absolutely know when a team and a club doesn't have the right, the, the, any idea of how to move to the right direction because this is what we have been doing for so long. So we, we know everything about that. <laughs> we, we know do. everything about But we are so lucky now that we also know everything about the proper way to get back. We, we can write books about the proper way because we have seen that happening season after season with the uni club at the help. and we you know hopefully we are so lucky now that we know we also know the way to get back
2: absolutely right let's um briefly talk about sporting lisbon versus manchester city it finished 5 nil. No, you know no, no, meh
3: no, no 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 i'm not gonna talk about that no
2: we're not gonna um, talk about it basically I, if i was um Spotting Lisbon, I wouldn't even bother boarding the flight. Um, this game is for me done. I mean, I was disgusted at that. I thought I watched the highlights. I thought, you know, Lisbon defended really poorly. Man City just showing their class. It was kind of made easy for them, you know. One of them. I've had enough of. I've had enough of. You know, these kind of ties and these kind of fixtures for Man City. But it is what it is. know they show their dominance, they scored five goals. Um, it is what it is. Let's. Then the game that obviously was on when we were on, I mean Salzburg yeah. versus Bayern, and obviously the score was coming up, and of course over the weekend Bayern um having that wobbler against Bockum four two it finished, but Salzburg take the lead against um against Bayern um I believe it was their um sub Ad- Adamu who scored, which you know yes. really really shook things up, but. I mean, you know, when you think of Bayern Munich and you think of Bayern Munich just in general, in Champions League, they're composed, they're mature, they have experience, world-class, you know, they are, they are, you know, like decisive. And in this game, I thought they were a little bit, not their usual self. I don't know if it's because maybe they were rattled by what happened over the weekend, which I probably highly doubt because then we always say, well, Bayern Munich needs to be challenged in the league in order for them to be sharp. In the yeah. in, in the Champions League, so it was really really strange. One, well, I mean, for me, the only play that looked really really decent was probably the one that scored on the 89th minute. Kingsley call Um, I think it was 89th minute. But in the yeah. dying minutes, Kingsley calls Kingsley Colman because you know. Salzburg did scare them a few times but then towards the end I thought Bayern Munich were just edging, edging a little bit more close, having more chances and I thought their goalkeeper the Salzburg goalkeeper had an absolutely kind of heroic kind of performance and I was kind of heartbroken for him to not have that yay, I kept a clean sheet against Bayern Munich
3: Yeah, but they were too defensive at the end I mean, Yeah, they did Yeah, they just got sucked uh, really deep Yeah, it's I, time time be done it was almost inev- inevitable that Bayern would get at least one goal, well, the thing uh, about them, as you said, we used to think them as an always composed and you know character wise very strong yeah. team. They have become uh, let me use that phrase, why not a heavy metal team in orders of how attacking minded they they are I mean they absolutely smash the charts. In, term, in terms of, uh, of uh, players getting into the box when a shot is being made. They have the most attackers, players in the box, than any other team in Europe when they play. They they all go inside the penalty box. That leaves a huge ba- uh, gaps behind. And they're not balanced, as they used to be. And it seems that uh, they got the wrong center back. Maybe. <laughs> because they Ooh, got, yes yeah they got the star center back which was Opa Mecano yeah the, the highly he was rated.
2: benched by the way for this one
3: yes yes exactly he was benched and uh, the, he was supposed to be the guy with the legs and the overall presence uh, that would uh, help them tighten the gaps at the back and he's not doing that. Anyway, he's not doing that until now. Maybe he will in the future. But right now, they have a little problem with that. And uh, they're not patient with the, with the beta play. They go all out in attack, which, of course, scares the opponents. And they have so many players in the box with Gnabry, with Coman, with Lewandowski, with Miller, with anybody uh, attacking and taking shots and taking opportunities. But that's scary for a team like Salzburg scored and that's and then uh, said okay let's do our best in order to keep that one nil that's what they did actually but of course they had one big opportunity before the equalizer to make it two nil. Yeah yes yeah same
2: guy Adamu yeah
3: yes but overall their approach was wow for leading versus Bayern Munich so let's try to do our best in order to keep it that way. Another thing might not feel that way about Bayern Munich and might try to score uh, again versus yeah. them. That's the that's that's interesting part because not everybody is scared is scared of what they're doing in attack, which don't, uh, don't get me misunderstood. They're absolutely brilliant when they're attacking, but they're not doing it in a balanced way. And this is the price they paid, where they were knocked out by PSG last season, and that's the big question about them this year. Because I consider, I still consider them one of the three best teams in uh, Europe for me. I'm not changing my mind. All I'm saying is, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not balanced enough, and they brought Mecano in order to solve the problem in the back. But until now. It feels like they got the wrong one and it feels like we got <laughs> the best one. Or maybe we are better in picking our players that we seamlessly can fit into our system. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we are better at that. Maybe, you know, maybe even Diaz or I don't know, maybe all those players who are playing excellent in the Liverpool set, maybe they are average. And we are doing something to them <laughs> to make them feel, uh, look like we're uh, world leaders. I don't
2: know. Oh, theme is getting all philosophical on us. Seamus, I have one question for you Um, at the end of this yes. show. Okay, so, you know, we've got two big spending, I'm going to say big spending teams, and you know who I'm talking about, Man City and PSG. I think naturally people just get, in a tiz about both of them teams, so it and both of them of course have not won the Champions League, both of them obviously want to win the Champions League and will do anything to win it, you know, and I wanna ask you this question: who is there more pressure on Jurek and Pep Guardiola because obviously he's bought in to take them to the next step, and the next step is the Champions League, of course, they made the final, and then there's p s g who have been trying, 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 trying
3: well, I think. The biggest pressure is on Pep because mm. he's a star manager. Yeah. Mauricio Pochettino, I admire him. I value him greatly for what he did at Tottenham. He's not a, a star manager. He's a valued manager. Okay, maybe he will get a job in a bigger club like Real Madrid or Manchester United and fair play to him. But he's not a star manager like Pep, like Pep Guardiola, Guardiola, is, and he doesn't have the the pressure. To prove himself that he can do it outside Barcelona, for whatever aspect Guardiola has the pressure, and he knows that. And he didn't win it with Bayern Munich, and then he's he's yet to win it with City, and he yeah. has all that pressure. And you know, maybe it's unfair for him, but it is what it is. He is now a manager that no one cares if he wins the league. He won the league with Bayern Munich, with all those records. Okay, fair play. Well done. They mm-hmm. keep winning it without him. He's doing what he's doing with City, the Premier League. And at first, he was acknowledged for the way he's playing, winning 100 points and stuff like that. But then, it gets to a point that some people fans, not all of them, but some people fans say, okay, he's won it again. Who cares? He's spending the most money ever. He's outspending Liverpool by a mile. Liverpool are the best team to look at and the best run club at the world right now because what we're doing, we're doing with our own money. We're not using financial doping in any sense. So, maybe it's unfair, maybe it's not. Either way, it's happening. It's happening. They're winning. Maybe they win the league this year again. And nobody will go nuts about them. Their fans would like it. Yeah, of course. But nobody in the world would say, let's write uh, 10,000 piece, 10,000 words about how they did it. And let's write something that Pep Guardiola is the best. No. They're all waiting and the press is waiting to write that story when they win the Champions League. Which is, again, I'm saying, maybe it's unfair for them because the Premier League, it's a, it's a big achievement, but they're making it look like it's not a big achievement. It's a big achievement if Liverpool win, not if Manchester City win it. And it is that way because they made it that way. It's not, a, it's not our fault. It's not Liverpool fault.
2: So, what that they made for their own back it's like the bare minimum that you expect with the amount of money exactly. that they spent.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is what they made to, the, to themselves. And that applies to PSG as well.
2: Mm.
3: You're winning the League in France? <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares.
2: I didn't even do that yeah. last season. So, you know.
3: Yeah. Another team wins the League in France. Let's all applaud them. Yeah, because they beat you. If you win the league, nobody cares. So you get to a point that you're only judged by winning the Champions league.
2: Would Bayern then fall into that category as well? Because they kind of naturally just walk their league; they're not really challenged. But of course, they're not the they're not put in that big big you, spender bracket like, say, City and PSG.
3: Ju- Juventus is also yeah. a thing that has fallen into that trap because. They have won all those straight league titles. And then they thought, you know what? Winning the league in Italy is not enough. We have to win the Champions League.
2: And then and they, they bought in Cristiano Ronaldo to elevate and them. To like, yeah, and that was their downfall.
3: Exactly. Because you never, ever, ever do something in order to win the Champions League. Ever. That's the biggest mistake a club can do. To do something only to win the Champions League. You have to do everything you do in order to become a better team. Mm. Not think that 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 that's it. You have to be as good and as you are lucky because it's a two-leg tie with an away goal rule, which is crap this season. But okay, yeah, anything can go wrong. I mean, Liverpool did everything perfectly, and they were knocked out by Atletico Madrid by one kick of the ball. That's it. That's the story,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that happens every year. I'm not using a game as an exception. If you look back, if anybody looks back, the winners of the Champions League were also very lucky. All of them. All of them. Barcelona, the biggest, the best club we have ever seen. They had to win to that last strike of the ball by Iniesta in 2009. In Stafford Bridge. And Chelsea were denied two or three penalties in that game. You have to be very lucky. Very lucky. And people forget that. They always say, who won the Champions League? Bayern Munich, oh, all the other best team in, the, in Europe. Who won the Champions League? Chelsea. Oh, all the other best team in Europe. They're not. They were the team that they were the better team and they were the luckiest team as well. I have I haven't seen anybody winning the league, the Champions League, without being the most the team with the most luck. Because you need that. Even Liverpool, I mean, come on. Okay, we made the, great, the greatest Second left comeback of all time. Okay, I was supposed to say that we were unlucky in that game. I mean, everything that had to be done in order for Liverpool to knock out Barcelona, it happened in our way. We deserved that. We were the better team, but we had all the luck we needed. So you cannot do anything to program and schedule winning the Champions League. You cannot do that. You can win the league with 100 points like City did and luck will have nothing to do with it. You were the better team and you won 100 points. Fair play to you. And then Liverpool came back and they won it with 99 points. Yes, we were lucky at some point, but overall, we did that because we were were by far the better team. By far, in the league. And that's the way that goes. When it comes to the World Cup, it comes to the Champions League. Maybe it's harsh, but that's my that's the way I see it. You are good, you are also very, very lucky. And Pep Guardiola knows that and that's why if you look at the way he's getting knocked out of the Champions League in the past four or five years, it's amazing how everything that can go wrong for him goes wrong. Mm. Every time, every five every time every time the, the, the slightest detail that can ruin City's attempt to win the Champions League, it always goes against them, and he is left desperate in his knees, watching in despair as VAR disallows uh, is was that oh, no Raheem Sterling's goal in the 95 minutes versus uh, Tottenham because you cannot you cannot do anything about that you cannot do anything so. Yeah. Maybe it's unfair, maybe it's not, but they did that to, to themselves. Bayern did that to themselves. PSG are doing it. City are doing it. And Juventus are doing it. So everybody's happy because Inter won the league last season in Italy. Why? Are they Inter Milan fans? Do they fancy Conte or Lukaku? I don't know. But everybody was happy. Why? Because they heard that Juventus didn't want didn't win the league. Everybody's rooting for Napoli to win it. Why? because of Diego Maradona and the 86 and stuff like that. No, not only because of that, but they're disgusted to see teams win the leagues year and year after year. So, it's not our fault that Pep Guardiola has to win. He did that to himself.
2: I think that is... uh... A good not to end the pod on. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, thank you so much for everyone listening. A huge thank you to Themis. Themis, it has been wonderful, my friend. Um, Before I let you go, where can people find you on social media? Um, So take it away.
3: <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say that I miss that. I miss doing that with you. So... It was fun.
2: I enjoyed that.
3: Yeah, let's do that until the, the final, hopefully.
0: Hopefully, <laughs> yeah.
3: And let's meet up in St. Petersburg to yeah to have a beer and grab a bite or whatever with all, you, all, all of you guys. Uh, people can find me on Twitter. That's where I live. That's where I tweet. That's where I interact. I mainly write in Greek, but I will reply to you in English if you. Think that you have uh, something to tell me and ask me. My handle is my last name. It's Kesaris, Kessaris K E W S A R I S underscore. That's where I live, and uh, hopefully we we'll meet there or we we'll meet in person when we go going to see the Reds playing in another European final. <laughs> Look
2: at that. He's, he's, he's putting it out there, Luke, who hopefully do make a yeah. final. I do enjoy these shows. Do give Themis a follow. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the result. We hope you're pumped for the return leg. We will be back for that one and probably talk about the other games as well that are played um the week that's coming. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, take care. Enjoy yourselves and up the Reds.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show.